Hello and welcome to the next installment of Optin NYC Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Police Officer Joe Galetta, and I'm joined in studio this week with John Negron, Madison Moreno, and our guest this week, Police Officer Lee Stanton. Excellent, Lee. And where are you from? I work at PSA 7, that's South Bronx Housing. What does P- PSA stand for now? PSA stands for Police Service Area. But you cover all the NYCHA development, public housing. That's right. We're responsible for the NYCHA housing developments in the South Bronx in the 40th and the 42nd precincts. Until 1995, housing and transit were actually separate police departments, and now we're all part of the New York City Police Department. Uh, can you give us an overview of your current role in the NYPD and what led to it? So I'm a youth coordination officer here at PSA 7 in the South Bronx housing. Uh, we're responsible for working with kids. Uh, who live in our development and the uh, and the neighboring areas. Uh, what we do is we engage youth where they are. So we're responsible, of course, for their safety. Uh, we work with uh, different community leaders to offer programming uh, throughout the community. And uh, we work hand-in-hand with any youth who may find themselves as a victim of a crime, perhaps missing children, or even youth who have been arrested uh, by police officers uh, here in the city. We work to help them uh, find different opportunities where they can really build on different traits that they they already are good at uh, and help uh, support them in any way that they need. So it's a, it's a rapidly evolving uh, position, both citywide and uh, literally on a case-by-case basis, that's how we'll determine uh, what it is a child needs and how we can offer that to that child. So what led to you becoming a YCO? When I became a police officer, one of my main goals was working uh, to change the narrative of uh, police officers engaging with kids on the worst day of their life. And what I mean by that, um, let me actually ask you guys a quick question, if I may. Maddie, uh, do you remember the first time you met a police officer? My experience with police officers in the department is very limited prior to this experience. John, do you do you remember? My first time that I can remember like directly meeting a police officer was in middle school. I actually still talk to the officer. I think we actually did a podcast episode with him. Um, they'd come to our school and they'd do speeches about us, uh, bullying, bullying and uh, violence among the youth. Um, and my first time directly like interacting with a police officer, I had fallen asleep on a train and my phone was in my hand and the guy like sat next to me and tapped my shoulder. You okay? You might want to put your phone away and then like talk to me for five minutes and left. So that was like my um, direct experiences with cops. So those are excellent examples of the kind of work that I wanted to be a part of uh, when I became a police officer because for so many uh, individuals who, like you said, Matty, you, you never really had many interactions with the police. Often that's a good thing. John, your interactions in uh, your first interactions with the police officer are generally positive. So many kids in our city can't say that. The first day they meet a police officer is the day something tragic perhaps happened in their family or perhaps they made a mistake that now a police officer is, in, is being involved in whatever capacity. Um, those relationships often start out pretty negatively. I think you, you guys would agree. So my goal is to reach out to those kids, especially the ones who may have had those negative interactions, and start 
the dialogue. And then for the kids in this city who have not had an interaction yet with a police officer, my hope is that they're more like the situations John just described, where they say, oh, yeah, I remember meeting Officer Stanton, let's say, or one of my partners, and he helped me do this, or um, he got me involved in that great program. Now, um, you, you said start the dialogue, and that's something that I always try to uh, touch upon in every single episode that we have is always the importance of dialogue between cops and kids, just any human in general. Um, and then on the topic of dialogue, I know your father, he's a retired member of the NYPD, and um, now you're a YCO and you're a part of the police department yourself. Um, did any dialogues or anything in general you had with him kind of inspire you or put you on track to want to become a cop or a YCO? Definitely. So, especially within the context of the dialogue that I'm hoping to have and hoping to continue having with uh, kids in our community and in our city, uh, a lot of those conversations have to be uncomfortable. We have to, uh, John, you said it, human interaction. Every police officer, just like every person in the city, is a human being with our own experiences, our talents, things we're not good at. Um, positive and negative experiences that help shape our uh, existence. So it's so important for us to acknowledge um, some of the difficulties in an individual's life. And that's probably the best piece of advice in terms of becoming a police officer that I received from my father, who was a cop in the 90s and the early 2000s, was be the cop that you want showing up to your emergency. And uh, I know that's a recurring theme because it, it's so true and it's so important. What do you think was the biggest difference between when your father was an officer versus when you were? Most qualify the differences uh, within the context of society in general. And uh, one of my favorite things, it, it, I would say it boils down to two words, social media. Nobody knew what Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or Snapchat was, or definitely not TikTok, when my father was a rookie cop. These days, our ability to have our message heard worldwide is instantaneous. And I don't know that we necessarily grasp how awe-striking that is, because so, so often we take it for granted. I carry two phones all the time, one for work and one is my personal phone, and yet oftentimes I find myself distracted by those, uh, by those instruments and not looking up. So there's a lot to be said. There's, I would say there's a, a positive and a negative of our access to information and our ability to share information so quickly. Do you think the NYPD is can use social media to enhance policing correctly for the better? And do you think it's something that the department's already tried? So I definitely think that the department and our use of social media is incredibly important. Uh, the NYPD's overall Twitter presence is unbelievable. I think NYPD News has over a million followers. Um, every precinct has a 
Twitter page, and uh, often uh, many of them have Instagram pages as well and, and Facebook pages. Our ability to share emergency messages or uh, information on, on missing kids, let's say, or my favorite, sharing our success stories is, I mean, it, it's grown by leaps and bounds in the, just in the last couple of years, that dynamic change are getting back to social media, of course, our access to that, to those means is just tremendous. I, I think that we're doing a, a great job of it because so many people can get engaged with the police department in ways that never, ever would have been imagined. And we as police officers and as the NYPD in general, we're sending the message of saying, here's the work we are doing. So you're a relatively new officer. Where do you see yourself um, in five years? Within the next five years, uh, I want to be deeply entrenched in the conversation of what it is the NYPD can do and can continue doing and do more of in terms of servicing the kids in our in our city. Now is the time where we've acknowledged that there's a lot of work to do and we're doing incredible things. I just wanted to take a second and thank both Maddie and John because you guys are you're a perfect example. Here's a podcast done by kids for kids and and here we are as the NYPD merely merely providing the opportunity doing tremendous tremendous work uh, the police foundation uh and and all the officers here um with you strategies this is what i want to be a part of this conversation what can we do even more of it uh, it's very exciting so within the next 5 years and and i'll tell you now even beyond that I want to be a part of that conversation. I think you're in the perfect room for that, with the perfect program for that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, everything you're saying and with everything going on with what happened um, throughout 2020, not only with the pandemic, but the political climate um, that we experienced, it's very refreshing for me who, who came into this program with like a clean slate. You know, I mentioned that I didn't have any uh, prior experience with police officers or many people in public service. Um, but obviously my opinions are kind of tainted by the things I see in the news, um, social media, even though I stay away from it, you know, it, it still gets to you. Um, and being, or trying to be politically involved, but then also seeing the other side of things that people try to shun away or shun. Um, it's just really great to, to, to reach out or to be able to reach out to these cops, um, to people working within the foundation that, acknowledge the problems and that want to work towards it so thank you also no i mean and you just hit the nail on the head the department had a ton of options right we could stand by and and let you know let events un unfold and and things along those lines or we could step up and, and that's clearly what the department's done the department stepped up and said what can we do um, and so it's the answer to that question really falls on you guys. What can we do? It, it's, it's really asking, what do you need us to do? And I mean, that's, that's huge. You guys are doing awesome work. 
And with that, let's pause for one minute and hear from our sponsors. And we're back. So as a youth coordination officer, how have you been able to cultivate relationships with the youth in your community? I know it's tough right now with like the the pandemic going on, but what are some things that you have done? That's actually one of the things I wanted to start off on. The YCO, so Youth Coordination Officers, and our Youth Engagement Initiative uh, citywide kicked off uh, early last year. And I don't know if you guys heard, but there's a worldwide pandemic. And this last year has been inarguably one of the most difficult years in history. Um, you know, between the, the sheer loss of life, which is absolutely heartbreaking and really mind-boggling, uh, the financial loss across our, across our city, across our country, um, the world changed this year. Um, and it made engaging youth uh, in our time and where they are mean something completely different from maybe our vision in the beginning of last year. And yet, at its core, the sentiment hasn't changed at all. We are doing incredible work across the city uh, to harken back to what we were just talking about on social media. Just, just take a look at Twitter. Um, the various precinct Twitter feeds will show you some of the amazing work being done by youth coordination officers from all across the city, engaging kids in ways that maybe we'd never would have imagined um, if, if not for the pandemic. I know that one of the things I've been doing a lot of uh, this year is bringing about uh, as many online programs as possible. Uh, we kicked off last year in late March, and in the first week of April, we hosted the, to my knowledge, first virtual career day with uh, one of our partners with the Department of Education, and that was at PSMS 29 in the South Bronx. Uh, and we partnered with different city agencies, the FDNY, DSNY, and we had an opportunity to have conversations that just two months ago would have occurred in kids' classrooms, and yet, obviously, that was not an option during the pandemic. But instead of standing by, we got our heads together, and we came up with somewhat of a solution. And we said, you know, a, a school, what is a school this year? In fact, when you guys think about it and think about the way you have changed your attendance in school, school does not necessarily have to be the brick and mortar. We want it to be. We absolutely want it to be the, the, that interpersonal connection, teacher's ability to uh, have a class, pay attention, and, and, and collaborate, do collaborative work projects and stuff in person. We all want that, but this year has been a testament to 
the resilience of so many different leaders in education, uh, you know, your teachers, your administrators were tasked with upheaving, a, a, a real upheaval of curriculum and having to, to bring about dynamic change really quickly. But you know what no one talks about? The resilience of you guys, the students, who time and time again have adapted the way you are engaging with school and hopefully not missing a beat. And one of the things that I'm working on uh, back up in the Bronx with kids is helping ensure that that's a piece of the puzzle that's not missing for them. Uh, we, earlier we talked about our crime victims, some missing kids, and, uh, uh, and kids who've been in contact with the criminal justice system. We ask the question, how are you doing in school? Are you attending school? What do you need to attend school if you don't have access? Maybe it's Wi-Fi, maybe it's iPads. Countless kids that we've reached out to schools for to get on the same page, put them back on track, even offering personal tutoring. I've been on a lot of Zoom calls with kids talking about an upcoming test or uh, more projects, project-based learning. It's been a really humbling experience and one that if not for the pandemic and the adapt, you know, the adaptations that we've uh, made in, in response, possibly never really would have experienced. So do you feel as if you will continue to use these same tools and techniques? Do you, well, also, have you, do you feel like you've reached out to more people because you've used um, social media or like different mediums? That's a, that's a perfect question. <laughs> um, the mediums that we're using are incredible uh, because of the reach, your potential reach, right? So when we host, for instance, our virtual draw along program, which is a weekly program we run with kids, mostly younger students, ages five to about 12, 13. Um, once a week, we have a guest student lead a draw along program. So they teach us, the police officers, how to draw their favorite picture step by step. It's my favorite program because up until we started it, I had really zero artist artistic talent. And following their lead, I've been able to put some stuff together. Of course, I'm teasing. But it's incredible to see young people who perhaps up until that moment have never had an opportunity to lead. And in some cases, never had an opportunity to be heard. Never felt that what they were saying was important enough, maybe, to be heard by a person in a leadership position. And now we're meeting with kids from not even just the Bronx, from other places across the city who are logging in to a shared space from their own homes. So we're, they say, separate but together. I would love to see a lot of those style programs continue but I think everyone would agree 
we'd really love to have a lot more in-person interaction as well once it's safe. So the same kinds of programs, but hopefully more in a traditional setting once this whole thing's over. We'll be able to hopefully find the sweet spot where we can do both. So you have an in-person, let's say, dance program. One of the things we're working on with resident association leaders from across PSA 7. And now what I mean by that is a NYCHA development has a resident association, a group of leaders within the development who advocate on behalf of their neighbors to discuss things that are uh, maybe going well or not so well on the development. And we partner with them very often, uh, in fact, on a daily basis to make sure that we're servicing the community in a way that they uh, want. And so we're partnering as YCOs uh, at PSA 7, we're partnering with a number of those resident associations to bring on some new in-person programming, which would include like a step dance team. Uh, and this is, this is what's very exciting, is these are conversations that were started in a virtual sphere, but we want to bring safely in person So how do we do that? We then start conversations with more community partners. For example, our very good friends, the uh, Cure Violence groups, Guns Down Life Up, and Save Our Streets. They have leaders who have experience mentoring as well. So we have now a huge collaborative effort, all leading up to a common purpose, which is to say, let's get programming done. Doesn't matter if we have it in a virtual sphere or we do it in person, let's get together and let's get it done. So what is something you think can be done that hasn't been done yet to help officers and the youth connect more? The question isn't what can we do? It really becomes what can't we do? And the answer to that is so far, Thankfully, very like nothing. We are able to respond to community wants and needs by saying, let's do it. Let's get creative. Let's actively listen and, and bring about whatever positive programming or change we want to see. And when I say we, I don't mean us in, in blue. I mean you guys. We want to hear, we need to hear from you. And that's what makes this so exciting, is that it's a shared responsibility. Just like safety across our city is a shared responsibility, so too are these innovative, exciting new programs that we're working on on a daily basis. That shared responsibility is what's going to ensure the success of those programs years down the road where you'll be able to tell your kids and your grandkids, yeah, during a worldwide pandemic, I stayed at home for my classes, but I didn't let the world go by. I partnered with the New York City Police Department to make some real positive change for kids that I'll never meet. So what would you say has been your biggest accomplishment so far in your career? So I'm extremely proud of the short period of time 
that I've had uh, as a police officer uh, here in the New York City Police Department. My, as was previously mentioned, my father, my father's a retired police officer. My uh, younger brother is a police officer now in PSA 5, which is, uh, they're responsible for public housing developments in East Harlem. So one of the things I would say that I'm most proud of is that I've been able to develop real, genuine relationships with community leaders, community partners, whether like community-based organizations. I would say what I'm most excited about and what uh, rather most proud of in my short time as a police officer really comes down to the relationships that I've been lucky enough to foster uh, in the South Bronx. So I have a unique opportunity to work hand in hand with residents where they live. So think about that for a moment. Every police officer is a neighborhood police officer, right? No matter where you work. But in housing, it's a very, very personal experience that you have on every 911 call. From my first day as a rookie police officer, you're getting a 911 call to someone's house. You're in their home. That is a huge, huge responsibility and overarching theme that housing police officers grow to really appreciate because in order to gain trust, right, you yourself have to show a lot of empathy and you have to let some of those walls down yourself in order to really have a, a real connection. And that, to me, is what I'm most proud of is being able to have so many relationships in the community that are uh, as close as my family. You know, from text messages and phone calls on holidays to a quick heads up before maybe some of these winter storms telling them, hey, if you need anything, please give me a shout. You know, I'll run out, grab groceries if necessary, you know. Um, and then also the calls and texts that I receive. Hey, great to see you the other day. Or my, you know, what gets me very excited. Hey, I have an idea. Let's work on something. So we are just about at the end of the show here. But before you get out of here, every cop has a cop story. What's one of yours? I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of the things uh, that really really struck home this year. Uh, as we talked about earlier, this pandemic has been, I mean, detrimental is an understatement, of course. Uh, but for some people, last year was uh, nothing, nothing short of horrific. Uh, I had the humbling opportunity of meeting Miss Eve Hendricks up in the Bronx. Now, Eve is one of the most special people I've ever met in my life, and she's certainly one of the strongest women I've ever, ever met in my life. Her son, Brandon, was shot and killed last summer 
right before his 18th birthday. And he had secured a scholarship to attend St. John's. He was an incredibly talented student athlete, played basketball with the best of them, had an incredibly bright future. Unfortunately, all of that was cut short because of gun violence. And unfortunately, that is how I met Miss Eve Hendricks. She lived just across from the Jackson houses, of which I'm responsible for as a youth coordination officer at PSA 7. And we started having some very difficult, very real conversations. Amongst those conversations was how do we ensure that his legacy is not lost? What can we do for future generations? And what can we do today to prevent gun violence? And so we partnered twice in the last year to host COVID, I don't want to say COVID friendly, safe, socially, socially distant events in his honor that really brought out the best in the relationship between the police department and the community. And if you look at the overarching politics of last year, the fact that we continue to bring the community together with the police department is so important because we all want a safe city for our kids to grow up in. And I'm just so, I'm never going to forget partnering with Miss Hendricks this year to host two very big events for kids in our community in honor of her son so that together we can consistently echo that we are not going to stand for any kind of violence in our community. Well, I would just like to thank Officer Stanton for coming on our show today. And thank you for the amount of work you have been doing in the community, building these relationships with the youth. I know, uh, I'm sure every, every youth that you've worked with has appreciated. So on behalf of them as well, thank you. Uh, we are just about at the end of the show here. So make sure you like and subscribe wherever you can find podcasts. Rate us five stars, 10 stars, 100 stars, however many stars you give us. Just give us as any any uh, you can. Find us on social media at options.nyc. For John, for Madison, for Officer Stanton, I am Officer Please Joe Galetta. Join us next time.